Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. because lessons are available here on the Cape at, uh, uh, I'm going to call you by the name I know you by, your author name, uh, Katrina Valenzuela, and um, she is giving lessons on the Cape and has for many years. And uh, also, uh, this dancing has been in the news a little because there were some moves that looked like Egyptian or Middle Eastern dance moves in the Super Bowl show, which uh, had people who absolutely loved it and people, as usual, who thought mm -hmm. it was a, yeah. a little much. So thank you so much <laughs> for coming today. <laughs> so um, tell me a little bit about, you're just back from Egypt. I just came back, yes. I just went on a tour for 17 days. And it was freezing. Really? It was the strangest thing. Is it usually warmer at this it's time of year? It's usually in the 80s in Upper Egypt, but it was 40 degrees at night. So all of us came back with pneumonia or some degree of a cold. Oh dear. But anyway, Egypt is magnificent as always. And you, uh, I follow you on Facebook, so I had the treat of seeing photos wherever you went. That yeah. was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and uh, you are Egyptian yourself in your, in your background, yes? Somewhat, yes. I'm mostly Irish. 
But okay. I was raised from age 15 on by my godfather, who's fully Egyptian. And then I started living there and bringing groups there. So it's been a long journey, and it's always, everything leads back to Egypt. And so when did you learn to dance? Well, I started dance like most girls do, with ballet, tap, jazz, when I was maybe five. And then I started my fascination with Middle Eastern dance. And that was in my teens. And when you I, were living there? Well, I went and lived there later. Mm -hmm. I had my son married, divorced, all of that. And then I went back to Egypt and began studying, not so much studying, it was just traveling around and dancing with Egyptian women who were so open and so willing to share. And this is a good time to bring up the fact that you actually wrote a book that mm -hmm. um, chronicles... Oh, really? uh, Can you reach it? <laughs> it chronicles some of those experiences. Yes. It's uh, now, if I remember correctly, it's a novel, but it but it's based on your your real travels. Yes. Well, it's a memoir, okay. except I had to change the names and certain details. Yeah. You know, but every single thing in this book occurred, and much more, which is why I'm writing another one. But, yeah, it takes place primarily in Egypt, but also in different parts of the world where I brought groups or lived. So now, where is your studio on the page? Well, it's not really my studio. I don't want the commitment of a studio. <laughs> it's uh, it's on White's Path. It's called Dream Studios. Okay. It's owned by a woman named Leslie. And I noticed uh, from the website, uh, what is your website again? KatrinaValenzuela.com. And once you're on that website, you can click on tours, classes, readings, all of those things that I do. And I noticed it's nice that uh, you have uh, uh, stop-in classes, too, you know, that you don't have to sign up for the old. Well, yeah, well, they only run by the month, so it's not a huge commitment. And if somebody wants to just come in and take one class, they can. I don't recommend that because it can be overwhelming. Somebody mm -hmm. just walks in. And it seems like everyone knows what they're doing. But it's really just women of all ages having fun. So it, uh, that sounds great. And I know what you mean about the overwhelming. I remember trying to take Hebrew lessons, and, and it was so different. Yeah. Um, and I was so discouraged until my uh, conversation partner told me she'd taken it eight times. So yeah. sure. I have students that have stayed in beginner class because they're not interested in performing. But they stay in beginner class for five, ten years because it's just it's great exercise. Keeps you toned up, keeps you happy. You don't have to have any goal of performance. And um, now, when someone is just beginning, like, uh, you know, I, I might ask you to teach me a step or two later, sure. um, but uh, even, you know, when I came in, you are the very first guest, I have to say, she is the very first guest who brought costumes with you. So <laughs> I am dressed, uh, you know, thanks to Katrina's uh, large oh, yeah, some great costumes, I can bring in lots of them. <laughs> It, uh, it almost feels, in, in some of your moves, like, like you're flying because you're dancing with the shawl and, uh, and it, almost, it becomes a part of it. Uh -huh. yeah. So, it, um, it, tell me about how it works as exercise. I mean, you know, moving around, of course, but are there specific muscles that get exercised oh, when you do something yeah. that people have traditionally called belly dancing? Yeah. Well, that is a misnomer. It's, it's called rakshaviti which just means Eastern dance. Rock shoggy? Shoggy. Rock okay, shoggy. Yeah, I have trouble with that sound. But you're <laughs> but here to tell us. 
So if you ask somebody in Egypt where the belly dance is, they'll always laugh and they'll bring you whatever it is. But uh, generally, belly dance is a silly term. We do a lot of abdominal isolation. And that, of course, tones up all the internal organs. So you don't want your internal organs just flopping around in there. You want everything toned up. You get very, very strong abs. This was the original core strengthening exercise. Oh. And it's a lot more fun than Kegel exercises or doing Pilates or any of the many core strengthening things. Not that those are not fun. But to be able to dress up and swirl around with a veil and, and at the same time you're tightening the abdominals and you're toning up every part of your body. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. I, I'll be signing up for the next course. Good. Because uh, I, I was sort of horrified when I thought, Oh my goodness, we're going to talk about uh, belly dancing. And I, I apologize for using that, that short misnomer. Everybody um, says that. It, uh, because I spend most of my, my life buying clothes to disguise my belly. So uh, the idea of uh, no, coming nice, out so. and, and getting all public on it was, yeah. uh, was daunting. You <laughs> yeah, know. It is for everyone, I think. But as I said, we don't just do things with our bellies. It's, it's the entire body. However, it all begins with a strong core. And you'll notice we don't do any big steps or kicking. Or, so our dance is not about feet and legs. The feet and legs, of course, they have to be in the right position and all. But it's about torso. We're isolating torso mm -hmm. and the head. And, and it feels like it might be good for balance as well. Yeah. Because you're, you know, sort of moving independently of your, your feet, and you mm -hmm. need to keep your balance yeah. while you're doing that. Yeah. I do want to apologize, we have this tiny little studio, and you are such oh, a good fun. sport to uh, to dance in it. <laughs> yes, it's always <laughs> sunny on Wednesdays, and life with Gwen. Um, but, uh, so tell me a little bit about the um, the way you experienced dance when you were visiting with, with Egyptian women in that country. It is pure ecstasy. And you know, in Arabic, we have a word for the ecstasy that is attained through dance. And it's called tarab, through dance and music. Dal? Tarab. It's a heavy T. T-R-A-B, tarab. So, because everyone knows, if you've done this dance and you've listened to this incredible Egyptian music, that you're put into an altered state very quickly. So that state of mind is called tarab, and it is the word for ecstasy. Hmm. So when I go to Egypt, everybody dances, everyone, from tiny children, men, women, everybody. And I've seen people in their 90s dancing. Mm -hmm. I bet that keeps you fit yeah. and young. Yeah. So when you go to a wedding, the matriarch was usually a very large woman, all dressed in black. You wouldn't expect her to get up and dance. She gets up and the floor just silently clears and everyone is in awe because she's so precise in her movement. And, it, uh, and she's just in one place, but it's the whole attitude and the way she carries herself. It's beautiful. Really. Yeah, it must be. And and you're saying that um, people in families there, you know, they grow up. Is there, this is a silly question, but is there a um, like a time set aside, or is it more just a organic thing where it's people are visiting and someone will start dancing? Yeah, all you have to do is say Hafla, we're going to have a party, 
musicians show up from the whole neighborhood. Everybody seems to have an instrument that they play. And they all stream in, they start playing, everyone starts dancing, it just happens. All you need is a space and, and space, good company. Yeah, very little space, too, because we don't move around a lot. Well, we found that out when you in the space we were going to twirl that you were going to twirl the uh, scarf, but but it came after you because it is a limited space. But thank you for for putting up with it. And uh, you know, I've known for years, and I've seen pictures of you dancing. But I oh, I saw you dance once with the Penn women over at uh, oh, the yeah, Cultural Center, yeah. and and you got everybody up dancing with you. Yeah. So how how do people? find you do you when beginners come in you know what are their common questions when they come in to dance uh, one of the funny things that happens is women who dance out in clubs a lot and who are you know, really into American dance they come in with the attitude this is going to be easy I already know how to dance I'm a great dancer <laughs> they are so blown away by the amount of focus and isolation and sometimes they walk out and they never come back oh they don't want to put that kind of uh, No one wants to be in beginner mind. If mm -hmm. they think they're already advanced, they're already right. beginner. But most women who come in are older. I like having older women because they have a greater sense of their feminine presence. Mm -hmm. And they get a huge kick out of moving their hips and moving their ribcage and doing things that they wouldn't ever do. You don't do these things at work or anywhere. I would imagine that if you, after you built up some muscle, that that would be good for your back. Yeah. You know, a lot of people who reach middle age, late middle age, are, are looking at back issues from mm -hmm. sitting at work too much and yeah. that kind of thing. I, I, so it sounds like it would strengthen your back. Definitely. And what people don't realize is that your back will only be as strong as your front. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how much fat is on your belly. If you have a strong core, that's holding your back in place. So that people who have back issues have weak abdominal muscles. So you come with the dance, you can build that up. Yeah. So if you if you strengthen the core, the back has support and it stays alive. Of course, if you in a bad accident, that's different. Right. So but but if it's just original equipment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, I have to tell you, Katrina, the this approach to dance it it sounds almost like. Uh, you know, Tai Chi with a veil. It is, yeah. It, uh, it's very similar to Tai Chi because it, you have to be very centered. It is a meditation. If you're doing it correctly, you're in that tata, that meditative state. And the moves flow. So, at least when I dance, I don't choreograph anything that I do. Because the music is telling you what to do. Mm -hmm. And if you're not inside your music, you're dancing on top of the music, and it doesn't look normal or natural. Interesting. Now, you brought music today. Yeah. When, you're, uh, when you're dancing, um, especially with beginners, is there a particular uh, type of music you're looking for? Always it's Arabic rhythm. Mm -hmm. Because it's 4-4, four, 4-6, four, four, which means it's even, <coughs> and it's easier to dance to than a lot of other so-called Middle Eastern, I mean, like Turkish. Yeah. And what are some of the instruments we might uh, be hearing there? Uh, <coughs> well, the oud, the dombek, the, uh, the kamun, which is a, 
looks like a piano on the inside. Okay. It's good that you're giving us descriptions because <coughs> not I've heard of the oud, but I am not familiar with uh, the other. The back is the drum. Oh, okay. And the rick, which is like a tambourine. Mm -hmm. And it, at the studio, do you use like a, you use recorded music when you're? I do, but I also have musicians that beg me to come in and dance and play while we dance. Great, oh, wonderful. great musicians. One of them is um, Fugan. Mm -hmm. He's a master musician right here in Hawaii. And just he, he, is it he? he? Uh, here in the cave? Mm -hmm. Well, so there's a, there's like a scene, um, a little bit there of a scene. There is a scene. <laughs> <laughs> I used to run events every month in Hyannis, and the three different places, they all closed eventually. So I'm looking for a venue. I was going to ask you if there was one. And my dancers and these great costumes, and people love it. It, uh, it seems very exotic, you know, like if yeah. you were in a nightclub or, or a, um, even certain restaurants, you know, it seems very exotic. Yeah. So um, you'll have to check out some of the, uh, I think there's some Middle Eastern restaurants uh, all over the Cape, really, so. Oh, no. I don't find no? any on the Cape. Um, well, I guess it's Greek over, uh, like, Estia and Mashpee Commons. We should be careful. Poor Estia. We're making plans for them. <laughs> hey, we're coming over with the dancers, okay? Over and all. They, that's a nice restaurant, and, and it's very uh, homey feeling. You know, they have the uh, open brick oven, and mm -hmm. so especially in the winter, it's a nice place to gather. Oh, yeah, cool. I live in Yarmouth, so it's, it's not <laughs> something I'd pass every day. Well, coming at you, yeah. I think they have a second location now, too. But uh, um, it just occurred to me that that's one place. But um, So right now, if people want to learn and... Uh, and uh, experience it. They should, you know, come to class. Dream Studio on White's Path. Right, and the information is at your website. Yeah. It's every Thursday at seven. So, tell me a little bit about the uh, tours that you lead to Egypt. What um, is there like a sort of a unified theme? What are you trying to to expose people to? Um, well, because I teach Egyptian mystery school teachings, and I do a lot of spiritual things. My tours tend to be more spiritual. However, we have a lot of adventure and fun. And you know, people think Egypt is pyramids. There's so much more than mm -hmm. pyramids. There are gorgeous ancient sites up and down the Nile. So we try to hit everyone. <laughs> Actually, my next tour is not going to be as busy. This last one was just packed. I know. They're new. You were someplace new every day. Every day, yeah. Is there, um, how's the language there in terms of, uh, um, is there a lot of English spoken or? Well, most people, if they deal with the public, they speak some English. I speak Arabic, so that helps a bit. Helps with bargaining, too. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> At the, like the open-air market? Yeah, yeah there are beautiful silks everywhere. I hate bargaining, but to be able to speak helps a lot. Mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, it's funny. When you haven't visited a country and the, it feels very exotic and, and your exposure is primarily through uh, either news or, or uh, like, you know, culture, like a, a movie, which may be wrong because often it's an older movie, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, it's very exciting and also you want to be careful not to sort of promote stereotypes uh, because you haven't actually been to the country mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Kind of the Egyptian people are so, so open-hearted and so nice. 
I have never truly, in the 40 years I've been going, I have never come across Egyptians who are not friendly, welcoming. They bring you into their home. Yeah, nice. They're just so nice. It's wonderful. We'll have to. I know we had one recipe in the paper of yours that was from mm -hmm. Egypt. We'll have to get some more Egyptian recipes. Sure. Yeah. If you're hanging out with cooks in Egypt, <laughs> yeah. you have to bring those back to, to Cape Cod. Mm -hmm. So I know this is a little controversial, but let's talk for a minute about the Super Bowl halftime show. And uh, there was talk that, uh, um, um, you know, Jello and, and uh, my mind is going Shakira, right? Shakira. Somebody yeah. nod. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and Shakira um, actually had. You, you were telling me that it was kind of a blend of moves, but yeah, there are a few things. it was things. definitely a fusion of Latin and modern and some Middle Eastern. Um, you would never see an Egyptian woman dance like that, ever. Because, because Egyptian modesty. women are basically very modest and extremely feminine in the way they move. Um, they were both no twerking. fabulous, fabulous <laughs> wonderful dancers. And I know the woman that trained Shakira in Middle Eastern. Oh, you do? In Manhattan. Small circle. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Wonderful dancing, but they, you know, they fused a lot of things together. Some of the moves were very Middle Eastern, but most of them were Latin, really, mm -hmm. which is great, exciting dancing as well. Yes, I was very excited when you said that you usually have, uh, you know, that you don't have to to wear the harem costume. <laughs> it's like, it's, uh, yeah, even but I do like all these scarves, yeah, you know? You just dress like a wild dancing woman. You know, American women, as much as we're thought of as very open, and we're really not that comfortable in our bodies. So it's a, it's, a big, it's a big leap for some of these women to even wear close-fitting clothing and to shake their hips. Right. But we have the coins on, so we can see if we're shaking yeah. our hips And you can hear it, too. It helps you to keep the rhythm. Well, I'll tell you what, I, uh, I'm feeling brave today. Uh, why don't we talk just a little bit more and uh, then maybe try a step or two, which okay. is about how much room we have here. Uh, but uh, that would be a lot of fun and, and let yeah. people know what they can expect when mm -hmm. they, they come to see you. Okay. Um, tell me, uh, when is your next, are you going back to Egypt? I will most likely go back in the fall because we have the Grand Egyptian Museum opening, which is a worldwide event. Oh, that's exciting. So we have more Egyptian artifacts than anywhere on Earth. And it's right next to the pyramids. So How exciting. So I'll probably take a group for do that. Do you have your own company or do you work through someone I else? I have my own you company. You have your own company, so that's probably right on your website too. Everything is on my website. I haven't updated the tour because I just came back. Right. But that will be on there. It's katrinavalenzuela.com. Mm -hmm. That's the whole thing. Okay. Well, it's so exciting and, and so exotic to have you here today. And uh, thank you for loaning me all these wonderful jingling uh, veils and scarves. I feel so, um, I, I'm just going to wear those for the rest of, of the winter because they're so warm, you know. I, uh, I'll be over, people will know I'm at my desk because I'll be jingling. <laughs> I love these little coins. So is there a particular um, representation, you know, a meaning behind the uh, the noise and the scarves and the colors no, or just makes it fun. Makes it fun. And I can't think of a better wear them. I perform sometimes in a sequin dress, one piece dress, which has no coins on it. Mm -hmm. It can be all beading. Egyptian costumes, gorgeous, all glass beads. That sounds beautiful. 
So do you, do you make any costumes, or is it mostly? Not anymore. I used to make them, but nobody does costume like Egyptians. Oh, it and sounds wonderful. With it. And, and this dancing, is it done uh, mostly, I noticed that you took off your boots. You dance mostly barefoot or flat, flat yeah. shoes? Yeah, or you can wear some kind of flat slipper. Mm -hmm. Yep, so like they do for a modern dance, they have yeah. a, a little slipper. Mm -hmm. So anyway, well, if you're interested in Egyptian dance or in Egypt, uh, we've brought in one oh, of the book. experts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Katrina has her book, River of Stars, Nights of Jasmine. And um, she's going to, as we come up to the end of the half hour, uh, she's kindly offered to show us a little bit about what you would learn if you came into her studio. Okay, should we give it a try? Yep. I know we have to be standing. So the most crucial thing is posture. Okay. Because if you don't have correct posture and you're moving your hips, you can easily injure yourself. Oh, okay. Knock off the water. This is moving one too. Okay. So you want to lift your rib cage up off of your hip bones. Okay. So you find the lowest rib and stick your thumbs in there and be sure that that rib is not down here. Okay. So we tend to let everything fall into one box. Yeah, it's easy to get really squished up. So you're lifting the rib cage and at the same time roll the shoulders back and press them down. That feels like isolation is from dance class. Yep. So, you know. so you want to keep the shoulders down so that you don't lock up this area of your neck. That's good advice for everything. Yep. Okay. I'm going to take off my crown because it keeps getting on my glasses. Okay. <laughs> so, I think it takes some practice here. The feet are under the hips. Okay. So if a girl is trained in ballet and she does this, mm -hmm. it makes every move in our dance totally obscene. Oh, you'll see. <laughs> so, so your hips and your feet are okay. lined, and the knees are slightly bent. All right. And then tighten the lower abs. So okay. your lifted rib cage is lifted, lower abs are tight because that's what's that going to support your lower back. Okay. We never just let everything hang out because then the back has no support. So that's the posture. Roll the shoulders again. That feels good. Press them down. And that automatically lengthens your neck. Mm-hmm. You know, we, as you can imagine, we type all the time. We're crunched over. Oh, it's so and, bad. Uh, it is. Yeah. And typing and texting. But, yeah. okay. So, let's just stay with the ribcage for a minute. So it's lifted. And you're going to shift it. Hands on your hips. Shift it side to side. Oops, I'm moving my hips instead of my ribs. Oh, Just well. the ribs. Just the ribs. See, if you have a mirror in front of you, it makes it easier. Okay. So shifting side to side. Got that a little bit better, I think. Although my hips are still moving. It's okay. And then forward and back. It's like a um, stretching exercise. So you're placing your sternum onto your spine without moving anything else. It's just forward back. Okay. We have about two minutes, so I'm going to ask, uh, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> I'd love a fuller <laughs> lesson. But you know, the isolations are interesting because yeah. people have done other kinds of dance. But uh, ballet, let's go back to learn. Okay, we're going to get hips. So hips side to side. 
So you're not swaying your whole body, you're just moving your hips side to side. Okay. Your feet stay still. Yep. And everything else stays in place. Yep. Oh, it feels good. I feel stretch. Yep. And now circle the hips. So you're making a big relaxed circle with your hips. This is the move that makes men nervous. <laughs> and then reverse. You get up on a dance floor and you start doing this. <laughs> so you're just rolling. If you have the veil, you know, add some modesty. But remember, your feet are together. You're not doing anything rude. You're just isolating hips. Okay. Which we don't do in our everyday life. So you're just circling your hips and then reverse. Okay. What are your hands doing? Well, for now, they're up here. So now take your shoulders and roll them back. Just from the shoulders. Together or one at a time. Okay. And bring your hand up. Flex to the ceiling. Push through the center of the hand. And roll it down. And watch your hand bring it all the way down. Yeah, I had noticed that that's a big part of it. Yeah. The concentration. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you all for joining us today and for having a lot of fun. And uh, you know this tape means I'll never be running for public office ever. Um, I feel well. So, thank you so much for coming, Katrina. And uh, we will see you at the studio. And we will see you all next week. I believe we are talking about coronavirus. So it will be a much different, uh, much different outing for the next Life with Gwen. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.